ignore that part, people. Whoa. 
there are so many of as many how how many would we estimate spaghetti westerns were put out there over two to three thousand at least right no 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 just spaghetti westerns probably in five almost 600 range European westerns I'm not really sure how many but yeah. you know 800 but or yeah, so if, if you crank out that many movies in about it was about four years four it was or five from, years well the, yeah the, the, heart, the heart of it was from let's say 65 66 67 68 and then it fell 69 was the year that was really following or falling 70 continued the fall and then of course trinity came about you know when trinity came about of course it's a great film but you got a lot of bad films a lot of bad comedy spaghetti westerns that followed and that yeah. and, and to, on a whole that brings the genre down quite a bit and you know especially in people's eyes when they when they look back on them now you know, it really brings it down. You know, they started as parodies, comedies, you know, essentially. And then at the end, they came back to it again. And, you know, it's like we were talking the other day about um, um, the Django one. Uh, what was it? The uh, Return of Django or the, the last Django yeah, with the Return uh, of Django where it basically takes Django and turns him into John Rambo. Yeah, and, and, and you know, the thing about that time was, you know, it, it was a time where quite possibly it could have revived the genre, but it didn't. You know, it, it's not, it, the, the film has aged better, but like you said, it, it's basically a Rambo type of film. And, and that was a chance there for it to, maybe the genre to come back a little bit. I know in early eighties, there was a couple, there was scalps and Apache kid, you, you know, which were just too, too terrible and really vicious films, but you know, they, yeah, didn't they really, got brutal towards the end, like a yeah. menage, a man called acts where they uh, tied him to the ground and pinned his eyelids open. And, and you know, what, a, what a great beginning. You know, when he's running through the um, the swamp, you know, with all the fog, which the fog was used to, to cover up, you know, obviously it was filmed in Rome and they were trying to cover up all the buildings and lines and everything by using fog in that movie. But, you know, just that beginning when he when he throws the axe and cuts it's Donald O'Brien's arm off or hand yeah. off. I mean, you know, it's, it's, it's one of the late greats, you know, the film's. You know, it just got at the end where it was, you know, sadly, you know, it had just run its course. Yeah. By then, every Western spaghetti otherwise was trying to outdo the level of violence that uh, Sam Peckinpah started in The Wild Bunch. Well, you know, you got to figure that Peckinpah did that because of what spaghetti westerns did before him. I'm not saying he ever took anything from any spaghetti westerns. I mean, he was, the man was a genius. We know that. But the level of violence, like in a movie like Django, you know. Yeah. But but I'm, I'm not comparing any, you know, maybe Leone or a couple of the other great yeah. directors, Paul, but, you know, Peck and Paul is Peck and Paul. 
you know, he's one of the, the, the finest directors that ever was. And, and, you know, that's, but yeah, the level of violence got there because of what I think what Spaghetti Westerns kind of opened up the door for, you know. Oh, that yeah. Line. You know, but, so. Yeah. I, I, Before uh, a fistful of dollars, you would get what I call the Italian odors which is just them trying to copy the American ones that were out of favor because they had become less of a Western than a kiddie movie. <laughs> but, but, you know, it's, I mean, that's the way, to, you, you know, it was, there was the, you know, obviously we went over, I think we went over this at a show, a past show a few years back, but I think it started you know, it started just because, you know, the American Western, the small B budget films were gone and done in America. There was too many on television. So, you know, but there was still a market in some of these foreign countries for these small B films. Yeah. So what, what, you know, obviously what the ideal came, let's go ahead and start, you know, the demands there, let's start filming them. We'll use Americanized names. And we'll make these westerns, and 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 so a lot of them, you know, it's hard to say. To me, it's it's one of them things where it's hard for me to, you know, say all oh, oh, the the first ones are so generic because, it, but my are so generic because you know they copy the formula of Hollywood westerns. But the reason yeah. they're copying that was because that's what the demand was. Yeah, and and, and you know. And another yeah. thing with West, with these westerns is, is you, you know, is to me, you have to realize, you know, they were making the, the Italians, the Spanish, and even the Germans, you know, in the co- with the co-productions. But these people were making, you know, something that was kind of alien to them. They were making a western, which, you know, the, you know, the I, I know after World War II, Italy was inundated with lots of American films, yeah. you know, and that was to a point that was, that was because of the Americans, how they occupied the country, helped them with their economic recovery and all and rebuild. And, and you know, the, the Catholic church there also was accepted of all that because they wanted democracy because they didn't want communism there. So they were right along with accepting these American films, especially Westerns. So, I mean, I know there was a lot of Westerns, you know, soon in Italy. Yeah. But the thing with and all so, this is... Yeah, the is thing with, is... With, go ahead. With, with, the, with the Italian films is, you know, you, you it's like taking a director and say, you know, and, and, and just having, okay, we want to make a Western. Your writers, your producers your directors, all your people involved, okay, we're going to make a Western. You know, you're talking to people that, you know, that was not part of their past. You know what I'm saying? Like yeah. us, when I grew up, it was Westerns, 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 you know, that's and that's been on for how many years here? You know, yeah. since film began. And so, and, and so many Westerns, but you're, what I'm trying to say is they were trying to – a lot of them were trying to do something that was just totally out of their element. Yeah, and the three big films that really started the 
understand uh, the Italian Western trend to move was uh, Yojimbo, Sanjuro, and the Seven Samurai. Right, right. And, and you know, we, you know, we used to do these shows on um, kung fu films, mainly Shaw Brothers, but we did. Yeah. We did a lot on on, on kung fu and. And, and you're right there, but but you, you you know that's why I think like us liking kung fu films because they're so similar to you, you know uh, spaghetti westerns and westerns in general. You, yeah. you know you see so many similarities between all those that uh, you, you know there's a you're familiar with it. You, you know you know how this is going to play out. Generally, you, you know so that's why I think. You know that they, they they work so well together is because you know they they did borrow from each other. You know, obviously there's a lot of kung fu films who bought, borrowed a lot of things from spaghetti westerns and spaghetti westerns. You know, in all parts of the country, besides maybe here in the U.S., besides the Leone films, I mean, we're pretty big deal. You know. Yeah, and what's weird is that we got the Leone films after they were done. Because I can remember almost as soon as they didn't the year they came out over here, it was like a fistful of dollars. Four months or four or five months later, for a few dollars more, and then at the end, it was uh, actually think good, bad, and the ugly. I might have been backwards, but I thought the third one came out first here, the second one, and then but. Well, that, still, they came I pretty mean. close to each other time-wise. Yeah, Once he had the hit, yeah. Yeah, 67, I believe, yeah. Yeah. Y- you know, yeah. and... and it, it, go ahead. But it started, like I said, as parodies, you know, and then they went to copies, and then films started like, you know, they got more and more violent. You know, and obviously Django helped send that violence over the top, which it was a successful film. And and then it eventually came back to comedies again, and then it, and it kind of straggled till the end, until a lot of people say 78. I mean, if you wanted to go with White Apache, I think that's 84, 85, or... No, it's uh, 69. No, I'm not talking about Apache Kid, I'm sorry. Apache Kid, yeah. with uh, Sebastian Harold, um Harrison, there we go. Yeah. But um, it's it's you, you know at the beginning it was just let's you know let's make these films let's fill a void for these you know that are asking for them. It's when the Leone film, the first one, came, and it slowly started generating the buzz, the money. That's when it kind of became like a a gold rush. And yeah. That's when it went. And White Apache, I don't blame William Shatner. I blamed whoever wrote that screwy script for it. But White Apache is bad, very bad, wouldn't you say? Here's a little bit of um, here's a little bit of information for you on that film. Actually, Nick Adams was originally cast to play in that um, play the pole, the dual roles that Shatner took over. And the newspapers at the time actually thought, you know, that this was going to be Adams, quite possibly his best role. 
which and what happened with Adams was he was in 67, he was going through a divorce and um, he got custody of his children. So I guess, you know, that was about the time that um, they were going, he was going to head to Italy or Spain where, you know, in, in film. And so he ended up after dropping out Shatner, who was between, I think it was after the first season of Star Trek. I could be wrong there, but I think it was on a hiatus because they didn't know if they were going to get picked up or not. And yeah. in March of, March of 67, he went and filmed that. And, and, you know, the interesting thing about Shatner after that was he could never understand why, you know, before, why it took for so long to get released here. I don't think it ever got a release here. I think it went straight to TV, if I'm not mistaken. That's I could be wrong there. but No, you're right. Only, just never only real it. trailers I've ever ran into it is uh, TV trailers. Right. And, and he, you know, it's, it's, yeah, it's a terrible film. Quite honestly, and, and you know, see, see the thing with a lot of this is, is you know, you could take a, a Spanish actor, and, and you know, you could make them somewhat look like an Indian. You know, so but but there was a long history of obviously taking white people and trying to make them into Indians. I mean, Chuck Connors played one. <laughs> of yeah, all but the, they you didn't know, even freaking try with Shatner. All they did is put like four strips of makeup on his face. Boom, he's True. an Apache now. Well, they tried to say he was a half-breed, you know, blah, blah, yeah. blah. So you, that was, you know, but, you know, obviously, I mean, I can't tell you what he would look like. But, yeah, it was it was, it was a terrible film. And, and he, he was terrible in it. I mean, just yeah. quite frankly, you know, and, uh, and that just did not work. Yeah. And all you people who uh, like spaghetti westerns because you bought the big box sets, you got to forget 90% of the movies on those big box sets are movies they didn't have the rights to. So they showed cut up print or two so, movies that. Yeah. The filmmakers didn't give a damn about getting the rights back. Yeah, you know it's it's always hard. You know, when I watch a film, it's always hard for me to say, you know, man, that film. You know, spaghetti westerns. I'm not going to say all films. Spaghetti westerns. It's hard for me to say, man, that film sucks, because you know it's just so. You know, to get an uncut print, to find an uncut print. You know, it's difficult sometimes. And, and you know, you yeah. and me, all, uh, we all came up with, you know, people our age, people a little bit younger, people, we all came up with that age where we were watching videotapes. Yeah. And, 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 you know, we were buying them off the gray market, the black market, whatever the yeah. hell the market was. And, and you know, we well, were getting whatever we could get. I mean, I've got some some old DVD-Rs in here that were taken straight from VHS. They're pathetic. So, yeah, what's you know, that, that one uh, with uh, James Coburn and uh, Telly Savalas? Yeah, um, uh, Massacre at Fort Holman, but it goes yeah. under another name. It's Massacre, uh, uh, re- yeah. Reason to Live, Reason to Die. Yeah. Right. That I'm not saying good. that's bad. That one I bring up because 
we've never gotten an uncut print. But the difference is, is the U.S. print, they whittled down to 90 minutes from a two-hour and 10-minute movie. It's, um, well, you remember the first cuts of some of the Leone films over here. Remember Once yeah. Upon a Time? I mean, so. Oh, God. They butchered, they butchered the hell out of that one because they didn't know what the heck they got. And it's because they didn't know we didn't get two of the Stone Cold classics uh, over here. And that is Django and The Great Silence. You know, actually, The Great Silence is correct. But Django played here at theaters very, very limited, very limited. And it might it was in the early 70s. But the, yeah. it did. Django play, sometimes, the it sometimes played, is silent. Yeah, and sometimes it actually played <laughs> under J-A-N-G-O instead of Django. It's you know they just dropped the D because hell it's silent anyways. But it did yeah. play in before. Um, um, that is one of my favorite spaghetti western trailers of all time, just because they had that line, Django, the D is silent. <laughs> and we had to wait till Django Unchained to get the payoff of the joke is where uh, Jamie Foxx is talking to uh, Franco Nero and he goes my name's Django the D silent and all uh, Franco Nero says is I know <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, the, uh, still in the late 50s, early 60s, a lot of actors that couldn't get work over here because of HUAC or they got stuck in B-movie roles went over to Italy. Right, and that was a lot of that, too, was a lot of the Western actors because, you know, the, the only thing really being made as we rolled into the 60s was, was A-Westerns. There was some B-Westerns. Um, you know, a few here and there, but yeah, but it dried up essentially. You know, you had your um, Rory Calhoun, you had your Guy Madison, um, Craig Hill, all these people, you know, and, and plenty more. You know, they had to, you know, continue making a living, so they they headed over there to make films. Stuart Granger, um, you know, he went to, obviously, appeared in some of the German films, but um you know, they Lex Barker. So the, a lot of these actors, you know, they had they were had to look for employment, and that's where the hot spot was right there. Yeah, and <laughs> another uh, bad one has to be you said a comedy. One of the first parodies of uh, the Leone films, especially for a few dollars more, and they just a few dollars less. <laughs> is is that the I'm trying to I get all these damn things confused. Is that is that the Franco and CCO or is that a different one? Yeah, that, the one where uh, one of them dressed as like Lee Van Cleef's character and the other that is Romando, I can't remember what his name is and Lando yeah. something another. But yeah, that wasn't Franco and CCO but but um, they were in one with George Hilton, 
But uh, most of their Funiko and CCS films aren't dubbed here, which is kind of a shame. Vianello is the guy's name. But, um, you, you know, it's, to me, the, the early of, you, you know, I used to hate the early films. Not hate, that's probably, but, you know, I wanted this style, you know, that kind of came after the Leone films. I wanted that stylish. A lot of the earlier ones, you know, they, they were still trying to make Hollywood Westerns. And, and you know, honestly, I grew up with Westerns. My father was a Western fanatic. I was a Western fanatic. So, you know, to me, it was to now these days, now that I'm older, you know, I appreciate some of the early Western, you know, early Italian Western. Well, in learning facts, when you look up that uh, Kurosawa and Leone both like to wear the hat that John Ford, the brand kind of hat that John Ford wore. Right, right. Yeah. That's interesting. Yeah. It's, but, yeah, that was the problem the there is the, the thing with Leone was, you know, is obviously, you know, I'm not going to get into it because there's people that, you know, yeah. it, it, it's an overdone subject because, you know, that's, you know, I kind of go for the low, you know, I don't go for the, I'm not going to say low hanging fruit, but I just, to me, it's, it's, it's been done by frailing and, and much better than I could ever say or do. Yeah. But he, you know, he, after the first one, you know, the dude was very intelligent, obviously, you know, and yeah. he had his, you know, if you've read some of his biographies and stuff like that, the guy was meticulous about details, you know, and, and, and it took a while for these films to get made. These other people, they didn't have a chance to do that. You know, they'd call, Hey, can you, uh, can you go make this film for me? You know, they'd go make it. It'd take them a month or two to get it done, get it out. You know, it's, him, he had time to do these. He had writers eventually, you know, so all this yeah. stuff was, you know, it was, it's because there was money behind him. And it's because of what happened with the first film. And he was intelligent, you know, with how and way he got, you know, the royalties from the films or, you know, stuff like yeah. that. So, you know, so. Well, that had to be disconcerting to watch, uh, the Leone films, uh, the biggest, most grandest one first, and then the second biggest when it comes to style and look, and right. then we get the low-budget one. Right, right. And, and you've got to figure, too, you know, this love affair with Leone now, but, I mean, if you look at any of the review books back into the 70s, 80s, I mean... All these, all of his films would get two stars. It's Leonard Maltons or, or, or whatever. You know, they were all yeah. every western was lambasted because, you know, there was no love, and so it was. I mean, if you think about it, I mean, the way they were doing it back in them days, um, a fistful of dollars, a few dollars more, are bad movies to the critics of the day. You know, and not even of the day. I'm saying of, you know, Leonard Maltin and stuff like that with review well, books. And even, uh, even critics of the day, you know, were, were harsh. You well, know, so. Look at the, all the Westerns from our generation, the Spaghetti Westerns, uh, the Peckinpahs, 
all of them got mostly horrible freaking reviews back then. Right, and it was a you you know it was a different time. You know what I'm saying? It was a yeah. different time. I mean, you know, obviously as things have changed. I mean, you know, if you told some of these kids now, younger people that, um, you know, some of the shitty reviews that a fistful of dollars got or a few dollars more, they'd probably think, what the, you know what I mean? Because they, they were considered classics now. So. Yeah, it's like yeah. my favorite film. Yeah, saying that you like Once Upon a Time in the West now is a generic thing. Right. Right. (laughs) And I look, and they're the same mothers that if you ask them around uh, 1995 up to 2000 and plus, they would say, "Uh, uh, I like, have you seen Once Upon a Time in the West? No, I like the Dollars Trilogy, so I didn't bother with the other. Or or it's too slow or blah, blah. You know, I can remember buying the damn thing. On VHS, it was two VHSs. Yeah. And it was still, it was still cut up and terrible. And I thought, my God, this is a terrible film. It took until I could actually get a, you know, a, uh, I don't know if they're uncut or not, but I, because I, I can't remember that far back. But it took a while before I actually got a copy where I was like, God, yeah, it's a good film. That makes sense now. Well, so, what happened was is it got a barely released as the uncut version over here, and then they cut it down. Right. Uh, and then the, there was the first restoration, which is uh, when it came to uh, the 60-millimeter print, and then the big restoration, which was the VHS print, but they did one of the worst screw-ups ever, which was they they forgot to time the music to their edits. <laughs> See, I don't remember all that. I was, you know, I was just. Uh, well, the do guy you remember that put it in at the end? Uh, it shows like thirty or forty seconds of black <laughs> with the final theme playing. I I can't yeah. remember that part. I mean, I no, I can't even remember what I had for dinner last night. So it's. Yeah. <laughs> but, yeah. You know, but, but you know the whole thing with you know spaghetti westerns is you know there's a lot of bad ones you know unfortunately there's a lot of bad ones. You, you know and and the thing about them was i mean you got to figure this okay after after trinity got hot well i guess late 70s or late 70 early 71 you know you started to get all these films and, 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 you know, I mean, see, the thing with the Trinity films was it took these mythos of these superheroes. They were superheroes. They were like the guy, you know, they were like the um, Samson, yeah. Ulysses from, not Ulysses, but Hercules from, um, you know, the um, uh, Peplums. And they what they did was they accelerated them to this, you know, they were mythical. And, and, you know, the thing was, but you understood that because that's what was behind these films was that, you know, that they were destroying a myth, but they were also building this myth of what all these gunfighters of these films had done before that. I mean, if look, if you look at something, you look at a, at a general, a, a, 
a duel between two um, gunfighters in a, in a Hollywood Western. You, you know, most of the time they didn't, you know, at least I'm talking pre, you know, six, early 60s. You know, mainly it was, you know, they were hiding behind stuff. They were shooting. They would take the first one and shoot, and they would dive or what, you know, very seldom did they stand there. Or else, I like I watched the um, uh, uh, one with Rod Cameron the other night, which is not going to come to me at this minute. But um, well, don't forget the most uh, honest uh, gunfight ever was uh, Jimmy Stewart versus Lee Marvin in the Man Who Shot Liberty Valance. Oh, right, correct, yeah. Which is John yeah. Wayne shot Lee Marvin from the freaking alley. <laughs> <laughs> right, right, but but, but you know, like, but, but with this panhandle, you know, it's Rod Cameron facing down of all people, Blake Edwards. You know, it was a young punk in the film, and there was two guys on the side of him. In the first shot, you know, he said, "You take the first shot." He misses him. You, you know, in the spaghetti westerns, that wouldn't have came. It, it happens, you know, in a few like. Yeah. The early ones that were trying to ape stuff like that, like um, um, 20 Paces to Death. The, the thing with that is there was, it was still stylish, but you knew what you were – but these things, the duels were, you know, they were superhuman. They were, you know, the fastest draw. And that's what the whole Western genre was always – a lot of them were about was, you know, the quickness of the draw, the legendary gunfighter. Yeah, and that's what they did with Trinity. Now, so the all these people that followed behind them, all they would do was, you know, put their actors, Peter Martell, whoever, in a dirty shirt, make them scratch their, you know, their chest a bunch, and you know, it was just they never understood that. You know what I'm saying? And there was money behind the yeah. Trinity. Yeah, but it was it was never. It was just, okay, this guy's dirty. He scratches a lot. He's good with his hands. He's good with his fists. But there was never that mythology built around him like they did with the Trinity films. You know, and, and yeah. that's and that's the problem with, and, and you know, I, I talked to uh, uh, Tony Williams on Facebook sometimes, and he was along with another gentleman. He wrote the first book on spaghetti westerns and um you know, I, I commonly refer to these bad films as stinkers in spaghetti westerns. And, and the reason behind that is because, I mean, they all, after the Trinity dirt, they all, uh, you know, they all decided, okay, we're going to make these guys dirty. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Okay. Well, well look at all the Django ripoffs where they just said, okay, <laughs> we're going to put him in a black uh, sure. vest. Yeah. And just what Trinity Roar and Two Days of Birth. Right. <laughs> you know, Two Days of Hair Growth. And then, boom, we got us a Trinity movie. We got us a, a and, and you gotta figure, movie. You got to figure, like, as as the seven as the um, as the seventy rolls around, even with these Trinity films, the genre was dying. So. What you were getting was you were getting, okay, uh, okay, we're all going to rush and make these comedies. But it's not like the old days 
you know, where, okay, we'll make these this and we'll go to Spain, you know, we'll do some filming in Spain. Yeah. A lot of them ended up being filmed back in Italy to save money because Spain was starting to, you know, the, the cost of going there and working there was escalating. And, and there was less and less and less money to be made with these films. So they would all of a sudden, so it all of a sudden shifted back to Italy and they got cheaper and cheaper and cheaper. And, and, you know, I mean, you would go to the, you know, some of the sets, you know, the cheap sets like Gordon Mitchell's Cave Studios or um, uh, uh, Depolis or whoever. It got less and less and, and less, you, you know, and there was less money involved in all of them. And, and that's another reason. They're cheap and dirty looking. You know, so yeah, and to uh, quote Sergio Simonella from the Big Gun Down Disc, he tells a story I where he went home uh, on vacation, and he went to like there was three movie theaters in his city, and every he said every one of the theaters were showing a different spaghetti western. <laughs> yes. Yeah. There is such a thing called saturation point, and it happens with all film genres. That's a fact. That's a fact. And, you know, that's what the Italians did. You know, they oversaturated the peplums. They oversaturated the Italian westerns. And then came the next one, and the next one, and the next one, until it finally died, kind of killed itself off. Yeah. And, you know, then also what kind of killed just like what happened in Japan in the early 70s. You know, it happened in Italy. And it kind of happened in the U.S. to a point was television. You know, so the television became more available and there was less people going to the theater. And that, you know, so that kind of started to the downward trend there. Um, and, yeah. and, you know, the... The problem with a lot of the Italian stuff was they they copied, you know. But uh, another one—that's the whole thing. Yeah. Everybody, everything's a copy. You, you know, if you watch a western, um, shit, who who was the, with Randolph Scott in those fifties westerns? Bud, um, what was his? But you know, oh, and that was uh, Jimmy Stewart, and that'd be Bud Botley, Mike Liker. Yeah, but. I always get him mixed up with Anthony Mann. I, I know that's sacrilegious, but a lot of those Randolph Scott fifty westerns were very similar. They had similar plots, yeah. similar character constructions, and, and and Randolph Scott pretty much played the same character in all the films. They're great films, yeah. and they're some of my favorites of all time. But but they were copying off the ones before them. So and uh, these- I've noticed this when I got the. Peckinpah set that I'm a, the new school fans, our generation with the spaghetti westerns, love the Wild Bunch the best. But the old school fans love Ride the High Country the best. Me, me it's, I, I, gotta, I, I like the Ride the High Country. And, and you know, it's, it's a fantastic film, but the scene where uh, Marriott Hartley's after she got married and she kind of realized I'm, I'm fucked and she's looking around or she's going to get fucked. You know, it's, yeah. That scene is one of the greatest scenes that was ever filmed. 
I mean, the whole film is fantastic. It's a great, great film. But that scene yeah. is just, that, that one scene is a masterpiece. And it was great acting. I think that and was the day. Yeah. And it had one of the greatest uh, Western lines ever that they talked about during the Western movie, but they never said it as bluntly as like, the high country is that I want to go to my final home justified. Right. Uh-huh. There you go. Another yeah. bad one in Starlight. I'm not picking on Lee Van Cleef. I'm just saying that he was in quite a few bad ones. And that would be a grand duel. That movie could have been cut shorter. That's the problem with it. It's too long. It is. It's, and, and, you know, the guy that plays his kind of nemesis there, I just that guy just, yeah. you know, why they chose him. You, you know, you, it makes you wonder about, you, you know, why would you pick, and I, what was his name, Peter O'Brien or something? I'm not sure, yeah. even sure if that's something along those lines. But, but you know, they, they pick some of these actors, and, and you wonder why. You know what I'm saying? It's like, why? It's like... Um, well, you never uh, know. It's like uh, Ed Burns. If I told, mm-hmm. you know, if I said... He was in one of the classic spaghetti westerns. Most people who watched him on Route 66 would go, oh, bull crap. <laughs> you know, Death Rides a Horse was his moment. Ed Burns was in, he wasn't in that one. He was in A Payment in Blood and a couple yeah. other ones. Oh, you're, uh, you're getting, Three Gun you're Duel. Getting, yeah, oh, yeah, you're then, getting uh, Well, they had a pretty boy in, uh, uh, like a, a, a Death Rides a Horse. Um, you no, know, now you got me confused. <laughs> you Lee know, Bank, the, Lee, the, the, not Philip, leaving it, the young angry John, man. John Philip Law. Yeah, John Philip Law. Yeah, yeah, no, that's a good, that's a very good point there. You're right. He wasn't what you would expect. You're right, but he was excellent in that part. You know, and it's like you said, you were even talking about Ed Burns, who would think, and he was in a couple of, uh, you know, The Payment in Blood, and, and he was in some, three of them, I believe, and at least the one of them with the Castellini, Castellari directed, or very, it was a very good yeah. Western. And, and, you know, it's, you know, it's, there's there's one that I was watching the other night, it's called Quanto, Quant, I believe it's Quanto Fighting Proud, or something along those lines, and, yeah, they have a actor in it, and, and and you know it's a very good film, and it had a chance to be a very good film, but the lead actor is terrible in it. It's just to me, he's in effect, yeah. does not that. You know, you got to have that certain thing. You know, when when you're a lead actor, you just yeah. You know, and so, but, to go back uh, to uh, Indio Black. How many spaghetti westerns were they? Were they filmed this entire movie, but then at the last second, oh, wow, they look barely alike it. So I'm going to name this movie Sartana versus Django. Well, they, you know how that works. Well, you know, they, yeah. I've been with a lot of films where they, you know, they would, it was filmed. I mean, hell, um, one with George Montgomery, Outlaw of Red River, uh, it was released in, I believe, 65, 
and it came back eventually as Django the Condemned. So, you know, um, the, the Jeffrey Hunter one, Murrieta was released as uh, Sartana something or another, kills them all maybe, or one of them, not kills them all. Yeah. But, well, I mean, yeah, it was in, in a lot of them, you know, okay, well, we're making this movie. Oh, well, we're going to change it now because, you know, Django's hot or, or Ringo's hot or, you know, whoever's hot. Okay. They would go. That's and, always you know. been the fight between us spaghetti western fans. Which one had the most useless sequels, Django or Ringo? Well, it's got to be Django because every film in Germany was renamed yeah. Django. So. <laughs> Django the cop, Django the lover, Django uh, Heather, the Avenger. Yeah. I know there's a Django Spurs, and yeah, any movie that had uh, Franco Nero in it, they called it a Django film. Correct, that is correct. And, and you and, know, right, Ringo. And after the Ringo films with uh, Get Gemma, that the, the um, you know a lot of things. Uh, um, One thousand, hundred thousand dollars for Ringo, which is a great movie, yeah. and it stars. Um, uh, Richard Harrison, uh, Fernando Santos, and it's a great film, but it, you know, it, there's no Ringo in it. You know, it's, none of them were named Ringo as it goes, you know, so. Yeah. But that was, that was done a lot at the same time. Well, thing. Django was, Kill was like that, too. The word right. Django is not even uttered once in that movie. Right. I think his name Barney, <laughs> you know. I believe yeah. that was. His name and that, that was yeah. another, uh, they called the Dollars Trilogy back then, they called it The Man With No Name Trilogy. But if you get the uncut versions, he has a name in each one of them. Mm-hmm. You're right. So, it's yeah. just that someone saw the gimmick and they're like, okay, we'll do it. Right, right. And that's what killed the drive-in business. And uh, the independent business really was is that even over here we did it, they would wait for the hit, and then everybody would rush to make their version of the hit as soon as, the you know, so they could get out to the drive-ins before it cooled off. Right, right. Yeah, that, that's you're, you're right. It, it was, you know, I, I, I look at it, it was a cinematic gold rush. You know, after after, after uh, a fistful of dollars, you know, after had it on, you know, well, at and during its unbelievable run, everybody decided, you know what, let's make a Western. So there was a lot of Westerns made. So, yeah. you know, and, and a lot of incompetent directors, not incompetent, but, but, you know, they just weren't familiar with what they were trying to do. They were making something that was kind of alien to them. You and know, sadly, to include Mario Bava in that. Yeah, because you know, his, the one spaghetti western that he did was a miss and a whiff ball, whiffle ball, you know, whiff. Well, actually, he did. Um, he did one called Fort Bravo, and then he did. One uh, Roy Colt and Winchester Jack. I know he did at least yeah. two. He might have, but that Roy Colt and Winchester Jack is terrible. Um, the um, the Fort 
Bravo is, I think it's for Bravo. I'm probably wrong there. But, um, uh, you know, it's not bad. It's just part of that early, you know, where everybody was just kind of clumsy with, you know, what they were doing. And, and the thing was, he never liked doing Westerns. So it was one of them things where, you know, he didn't really put his heart into it. Let's, let's put it like that. You know. So he, Yeah, he was, his heart was in the horror and the people in films he did. Yeah, I mean, yeah, and his films were, yeah, excellent films. So, but, um, you, you know, it's, you got to have some, you know, and, you know, he would still get called in here and there to do some, like, special effects. I know he did the um, special effects on one of the two, um, one of the Providence films with uh, Thomas Milan, which was where he, he came in and filmed or helped him set up the um uh, pull shot, you know, billiard shot, but I, I can't remember which one it was. Yeah. But yeah, his heart was never into that. So you know, and it's it, it was you're you're pushing somebody into, like I said, it's kind of alien to them, you know. So it's and a lot of them would just continue to to churn them out. Roberto Mari was is one who just you know he was a terrible director when it came to westerns. You know, he, a few of his other films besides. Uh, you know, Kong Island or whatever it's called was a lot of his films were uh, pretty lame, you, you know, westerns. And but he kept churning them. So you know, there's Jana uh, Cree. You know, was was a terrible director. You know, when it came to westerns, of uh, uh, Fadini. I mean, there's a guy there we haven't talked about. You know, but you know, Fadini was the, the thing with Fadini was. You know, he would do his westerns were they were bad, but they were entertaining. You, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. They were they were entertaining. They were terrible, but they were but the and the the, the Baba one was the road to Fort Alamo and Roy Colton Winchester Jack. But yeah, but yeah. the was was um you know his stuff was you know he could take shit and turn it into something that was entertaining you, you know to me it's kind of like you know H.G. Lewis I mean H.G. Lewis made some terrible films I mean yeah. really I mean people can say what they want to but you know yeah. but the whole thing about it they were entertaining as hell you, you yeah. know what I'm saying yeah. you can sit and watch an H.G. I mean it's terrible like uh uh, what's the one with the wig? What is that? The Wizard? No, it ain't Wizard oh, of Gold. Oh, Gruesome Twosome. That's a terrible film. And terrible actors. But, God damn, you know, it's, and that's Fadini. You, you know, the, the yeah, Gruesome Twosome. And that's a, an example of what you're talking about, turning a shit into gold, where, uh, what happened to yeah. him was that, uh, the timing screwed up. So after they had the whole movie filmed, it turned out that it was 10 minutes too short. And he had to film that bit with the dolls just to fill out the time. Right, right. Wow. You know, it's, we really, I know our hours ripping by here pretty quick. We really didn't get into a lot of the shit films. Um, Yeah, uh, let's, uh, well, for this, uh, of all of the countries, I don't know why, but Italian humor 
Riley plays good to any other culture but Italians. You, you know, I, now that's – I agree and I disagree with that to a point. The Westerns, I agree with you 100%. That that I didn't – I don't get a lot of it. The Now, some of their sex comedies are actually pretty – you know, that are actually Well, they got Edward funny. French and sexy women in it, so hey. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> That's a good point. That's a good point. But that is a very good point. The one that I always to... bring up as a point when it comes to example of humor not translating is uh, the three Superman films. Ooh. Yeah. If you like soccer humor, then you'll love yeah. those movies. Yeah. Yeah. They're not good. You're right. But, um, yeah, you're right. No, I agree with you a lot there. It's it's, but I, I there's a lot of the westerns. Now, you know, but there's some like uh, Jesse and Lester, which is one of the later comedies. Well, '72, I believe it was, yeah. with um, Richard Harrison and Donald O'Brien, and and Richard Harrison, I believe, wrote most of the script, directed most of it after the direct, original director Renzo Ganita, I think, backed out, but. Yeah. It's, you know, it's because I think because he understood what kind of, and it's probably why it works, because he probably understood what would be funny, you know, to an American. I mean, there was some ones at the end, the couple with Mark Damon at the end, which were just absolutely uh, pathetic films. Well, if you ask Mark Mark Damon, he not only starred in the movies in Italy, he made the guns himself. He directed it. He produced it. He shot the camera. Oh, while being on film screen. No, he was. He was. Uh, I, I, you know, he's another actor that requisite. Uh, there's probably maybe one or two other ones that that are that he's okay in, but for the most part, I don't think he was. You know, he just didn't come across on the films very well. Let's put it like that. And especially the comedy films. He was kind of a mugger, you know what I mean? Yeah. So, you know, um, but there's a lot, you know, it's, you know, and it's almost to me, it's almost to the point where, you know, I'm going to, I can't remember the one where Mark Damon, and I just watched it the other night that shows you how old I am, but um, Mark Damon's in it and he's, um, and he plays, and he has to dress and drag. And, 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 you know, it's so degrading. You know what I'm saying? It ain't even, you know, some of the drag stuff can be funny. And I'm not saying it, and I mean, not degrading. I'm just saying it was such an awful scene. You, you know, and he was dressed up in a dirty, you know, of course, the dirty Trinity, you know, underwear. And, and it was just so terrible. It was like... You know, this this ain't good, you, you know, but it's kind of what they were getting to at the end. You know, they were doing whatever they could. I mean, you know, like the, um, yeah. da- the I think problem it's Dallas. with uh, 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 the Trinity guy, who's the who is the star of that? Uh, Terrence Hill. Terrence Hill is great in a Terrence Hill film, but you take him into a movie and it's not a Terrence Hill film, and you're going to get into some pain. Like his two American, like their two attempts to bring him over to America, which was uh, March or Die, 
and Mr. Millionaire. That's right. With um, well, who was the lady that was in that? Um, like, I won't be able to remember. Yeah, but yeah, it's like Man of the East, uh, the Trinity films. Those are good. Yeah, correct. And and you know, if you put him, you know, his thing was he needed to be with Bud Spencer. You know, they kind of balanced each other out, even though I love Bud Spencer and Bud Spencer could have been anything and I would have watched it. I mean, but those two together balanced each other out or he balanced. Let's put it like that. Yeah. You you know, uh, I believe if I'm not mistaken that Spencer was supposed to be in Man of the East, but he was doing some, you know, he was obligated to something else at the time. That was supposed to be kind of another Trinity. Wasn't that when he filmed uh, the ball buster, which they changed to the bull buster? Yeah, that's, that could be that I, I I'm not sure. But, but now let's talk about the worst film, which almost everybody who likes spaghetti westerns. And if you bought over three P public domain sets, well, you're going to get this movie, and that oh, is yeah. God's Gun, the only matzo ball western. Yeah, it's pathetic. Yeah, it's and you know if, if you think about it, after what sixty eight, sixty nine, Lee yeah. Van Cleef's his he went straight on down. At least the quality of the films. Yeah, I mean, uh, Bacaro, uh What is it? Apache Kid, where he played uh, supposed to be playing a young Indian. Captain Apache. Captain Apache, yeah, that yeah, one. Bad Man's River, yes, and that yeah. Bad Man's River, and and um, you know, actually, I like Beyond the Law. I know a lot of people don't, but you know, but that was '68, I believe, with Antonio uh, yeah. Tabata, and and I forget who the female lead was in that, but um, um, yeah, it's um, I see, I like that one, and I think it's. But it has such a terrible ending that, you know, I could understand why a, a person doesn't like it, you know, and it was another one of them. Beyond the Law was another one of the films where, you, you know, to me, it it was kind of an Italian thing because it, you know, the ending so heavy handed that it's almost like, you know, how did this get in this film? You know, we're, it's pretty, you know, it's full of humor till the end. Yeah. Let's kill some people, you know, it's just Yeah. You know, it's just, I've always hated uh uh westerns, spaghetti westerns that I like that that have that severe tonal shift halfway through. The yeah. only two films I have seen to really get dark, but they was dark from the beginning and it works is uh, of course Kioma. I don't like the soundtrack but I love yeah. its bleak little movie and the great silence. Yes, yeah. Yeah, those are definitely two of the the grittiest and grimest, aren't they? And and Django Kills you could put in there. That's that's a pretty dark movie too. You know, so Yeah, until you hear direct until you hear the director explain why he was doing stuff then you're rolling on the floor laughing. <laughs> Watch out, plays- this is going to be uh uh a, a 
on the unpolitically correct moment. You know why I made the uh, <laughs> made the cowboys well red? Why? Cause red is the fascist color, and all fascists are faggots. <laughs> and you know, there's some other ones too, like um, you know, that have that kind of darkness that runs all the way through them. But yeah, those, yeah. those are probably the bleakest. You know, the Great Silence might be the bleakest of them all. Death played a flute is is really dark. You know, and there's other yeah. ones too. Um, Blackjack with uh, Robert Woods, even though it has kind of a few moments at the beginning where it's, you know, it's, uh, um, oh, well, I'm missing one there. The um, uh, Sergio Greco, was it? Um, 69, um, Vendetta at Dawn, which is probably the dirtiest, nastiest, and darkest one, honestly, out of all of them. It's yeah. really dark and nasty. Corbucci's two big ones. He filmed it in a way where he didn't have to deal with the sand and the dust. Right. I think one reviewer said it best, but they didn't mean it in a good way. It's like uh, Django is one of those films where you look around and you can smell the horse shit on the ground. <laughs> yeah, but you know, that could be a compliment, that's, too. You know. Yeah, that's how. Uh, he wanted to make them different. The only ones we really haven't got into is that the political westerns, the Zapata ones. Yeah, and, and you know, honestly, we really didn't um, really get into too deeply into you, you know the, the the bad west, the worst of the that it had a lot has to offer, but. You know, well, that sucks. Somebody should write a book to fill in the. Somebody should get a book together to edit all. You know, to add to go into a bigger version of this. Do you know someone who's thinking about working on that, Mike? You know what? Honestly, the the books sell okay. They're not great. They don't sell great. I can imagine, and I've thought about it. Believe me million times I should write the worst but you know if I'm not selling something with you know with uh, Fred Williamson Lee Van Cleef uh, uh, Anthony Stefan on the cover it is is a film on shit film you know it's a book on thinkers going to sell you know so it's kind of well there hasn't ever been a book written on bad spaghetti westerns most of them are just, these are the best, I love these. You, you know, unless I would kind of like try to write it in the vein of like, you know, some of the bleeding skulls where, you know what I'm saying, with that yeah. kind of tongue and cheek kind of, you know, and, and do it that way. Maybe it would catch on with well, people. Well, we've but... talked about these horrible films, but we do have a sincere affection for them because of... Absolutely. Absolutely, yeah. yeah. No, I love the. I'm obviously, you know, I've I wrote two books by myself on them. I've edited four books on them, you know, and it's it's been a, a forty fifty year, you know, forty years of you know pursuit of these things. So yeah, there's, well, it's, spaghetti it's westerns was uh, yeah. You used her, but I was like. Spaghetti Western is the first, I call them dark holes of genre. 
black holes of genre because once you go in, you almost never can. If you go in to where I try to watch everyone, you're never coming out. That's where I'm at now. That's exactly where I'm at now because I'm trying to, you know, I'm trying to go through and get all the ones that I've, you know, that I've quit on partway through, the ones that I've, you know, just said I'm not watching, you know. So I'm doing a lot of those now, and, and, and a lot of it's torture. But, you know, it's it's an obsession. Well, you know, what can I say? I mean, I could be dirt, doing weird uh, things, I guess. But it's... It, uh, and everyone but, else in Mangina was good, but uh, the problem is that Maurizio Meli was great as a cop in a in a spaghetti western. Uh, uh, it's know, the backup. It's the it's the backup actors like uh, Don Al O'Brien in one of his best poor bastard roles. <laughs> Because you feel sorry for this guy. Every time he shows up on screen, he gets severely hurt. <laughs> yeah, and, and, you know, a lot of it, too, is that the people that had kind of been, you know, as the 70s rolled around, you know, you had your people, you know, that were, you know, you were kind of losing some of the name actors, and they were going less and less with American actors because they didn't want to pay them. So, you know, you started to get, you know, your Jeff, Cameron's, you, you know, your um, Fabio Testi, which, of course, he became a great act, you know. But, you know, you started to get those people who started to move up into the lead roles, Dino Strano and people like that that kind of started yeah. to be co-leads or leads in some of these films. The Gordon Mitchell, you know, that were kind of always played the bad, you know, the guys in the back or else they were stuntmen and they kind of, uh, you know, moved into uh, the starring roles because, they could do both, you know. Yeah. They could do, you know, um, stunts and, and they could, you know. Yeah. And to be honest, uh, that scene in uh, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood really sums up how the American actors got the feel towards spaghetti westerns in the early 70s, 6970. It's one of those, I can't go over and do a spaghetti western. That means those the people will see them and say, I'm washed up in America and I won't be able to work <laughs> over here. And That's, that misconception really was the truth. They right. would see, once they see you back then, if you was on TV, okay, boom, you're a TV star. We don't want to put you in movies. We want movie stars. Right. Yeah. And that's probably a fact, you know, that's probably a, a stigma that was attached to it because I know like, you know, Guy Madison tried to come back. Um, you know, I don't know if I think Craig Hill might have. Some of these actors tried to came, come back. Um, Lex Barker, you know, after they had been there for so many years, it just, it was done, you know, and it was probably a lot of it that was because, yeah, they were attached to these films and they, these films were considered, you know, crap back in the day. So that, yeah. that's probably... You know, a lot of them initially thought, I'm going to run over there and be come back and be like Clint Eastwood. But, you know, after a while, that kind of wore off, you know, like, okay, well, you know. Yeah. Well, Clint <laughs> Eastwood created his own opportunities. Right. Yes. Yeah. And that's another uh, book you should write sometime, man, to really close it off is The, the American Spaghetti Westerns. 
Those that came out here in the early 70s that you could tell that they were trying their damnedest to make an Italian Western. Yeah. My, my, um, I watched one the other night, which is uh, Macho Callahan. Definitely. You, you know what I yeah. mean? It almost, the beginning of it almost reminds you of uh, the, scene, the, the um, um, prison scene in um, uh, The Good, the Bad, the Ugly. So, yeah, there's a, there's a lot of them that were trying to ape that style you're right it, it it came back again so it's yeah it's you know something that was despised hated yeah and then all of a sudden you know, they started copying you know it's and uh the reason that i we're talking about some but not going to vague uh, uh is that we only had an hour and i like if you hear this and you like the idea of a book about bad spaghetti westerns? <laughs> no, seriously, get to Mike so he can see what the risk to thing is. Because, yeah, yeah I'm sure you could get guys like Pete and stuff to write about the bad spaghetti westerns. Oh, yeah. Pete, Pete, top notch. All of them are. Dennis, Pete, uh, Steve Fenton, Van Roberts. Uh, yeah. Um, Tom Pitt, uh, I'm probably missing people. Tony Nash, uh, Steve Mason, all the you know got some great great writers. So yeah, you're right. Definitely could line that up. But but yeah, know, but it's hard, it's hard to you know it's it's um you know it's I mean how would you like to be the guy that would say hey uh, uh, Dennis would you mind writing about God's gun? <laughs> uh-huh. <laughs> I mean he, he, he might block me. He might block me on There's Facebook. Yeah. Too. But you can be sure that of all the writers, there is someone out there who has a deep, personal grudge against God's gun. <laughs> well, I like Lee Van Cleef, but then that motherfucker made that movie and it fucking broke me. It is getting a Kino release, so what can we say, right? Maybe yeah. with this new Kino release, we'll uh, re- we rewatch it and think, man, you know what? That's not such a bad film after all. I mean, it's no, no Trinity. No. No. It's, it's not patience has a limit, but we don't. But, you yeah, know, it's. No, no, <laughs> no. That one will always be just bad. <laughs> you, you know, it's, you know, I, I look at that film like this. Okay, there's some films, they try, they're close, you know, and it might be just a couple of things like, okay, that's a bad and God's gun doesn't even come close. I mean, yeah. I can't even say, you, you know, like Adios Hombre with um, Craig Hill, um, Pierre Lully, and um, uh, who, uh, and a, a few other actors. You know, it's close. It's it's to me, it's a bad film, but I can see how people could like it because it's kind of a straightforward, yeah. and it's still a Hollywood clone. And- and that's God, God. why you would be good with that because you wouldn't go in to write the book about bad spaghetti movies with an asshole point uh, <laughs> of view. And I'm not saying to make fun. I've seen too many people write about bad movies, but they go in with a mean streak about a mile wide. It's the love of the genre. You know what I'm saying? I I don't want to, you know, I mean, to me, 
you know, because if I say something, like I just said, the audio's hombre, a lot of people probably like that film. And, and I, like I said, I can see why. So to me, it, it would be, you know, how can I, you know, with me, what makes this film and that my eyes think that it's below, well below average. So it ain't about, well, you know, Craig Hill takes a shit at, you know, a minute 47 or whatever, you know, it's, it's trying to, um, you know, kind of pick out the things that really kind of make it a bad film. And God's gonna probably. <laughs> yeah. The reason we know so much about that, like I said, you're not going to buy one in spaghetti Western public domain sets without running into God's gun. And, and how many times was it released on VHS? <laughs> oh, good. Yeah, during yeah. the VHS boom. That's where you see stuff also like Aces High. But we never did get, and I'm grateful for that, uh, Don't Turn the Other Cheek. That's that's a tough one, too. I mean, that's, to me, that's almost, that's like uh, Death Ear, Death Smith and Johnny Ears. You know, it's average at best. You know, it's. But what really saves it is that. Franco Nero and Eli Wallach had instant chemistry with each other. And then yeah, when you're getting into them joking with each other, you got to see Lynn Redgrave showing off her ass and panties in almost every scene that she's in. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it, it, that's probably what elevates some of these films, obviously the actors. And Franco Nero could elevate anything Wallach could. You, you know, um, Death Ears and Johnny's Death. Smith and Johnny Ears, whatever it's called, is Anthony Quinn. And Anthony Quinn, of course, is a great actor. I'm not saying it's probably a tad bit above average, you know, and a lot of people, again, probably like I don't that much. But, you know, it's nice to see those two acting together, and they're great together. Yeah. So, and, you know, a yeah. good actor can elevate things, you know, let's face it. Yeah. And to close out, well, first, uh, what magazine – do you have there for people who have like just a little bit left on their gift cards? Not enough for something big, but not enough for something small. But you like reading about spaghetti westerns. Mm-hmm. Yes. You pick up my books off Amazon. The spaghetti westerns. Spaghetti Digest, volumes one yes. through four. Yes. Yes. And then a lot of it too is, you know, the. the the digest is going to be off for the rest of the year. This year, you know, I'm doing some other things. I'm doing a um, European um, cult cinema book with all the same writers, most of the same writers. Yeah. I can do the cover and all the writers. And then, um, then we're probably looking at, at a world western after that in, um, you know, later this in this summer. So we've got some yeah. things in store. But the, the spaghetti westerns always will be a part of everything, yeah, I think. Yeah. And a last second, uh, as you guys know, we will work with uh, Wild Side uh, WK Productions. And yesterday, Tim Paxton announced that Monster, his magazine, Volume 2, is done. That's sad. Yep. 
me for me being accepted in Monster was like, God damn, I must have hit the big time because I'm with <laughs> these guys whose writing intimidates me. And yeah. uh, Tim Paxton <laughs> is one of those that will really bust your chops if you give him bad writing. And Steve Fenton too. But believe me, when I first started, oh, yeah. you know, I came from. When I first started writing, you know, I, I went to college and I got my Associate of Arts, you know, and I thought I was going to become an English teacher, which, you know, it didn't quite work that way. So, I mean, but you're talking years and years and years and years ago. So I lost a lot of that. So I, after that, I went into, obviously, into, you know, working jobs and I would work jobs like, you know, I was a supervisor at a, at a production plant and then everything was steps. Step one. You know, do this, step two, step three. So, you know, when I first started writing, I obviously, you know, it was a mindset. You know, okay, I'm writing step one, step two, step three. Yeah. Takes me around the block, I'm telling you. And, <laughs> you know, but it, but you know what, it's, it was for the best and why I'm still standing today, honestly. And then, like you said, that first time being accepted in there was like, damn, that's, that's an accomplishment. That was the, the best monster magazine ever put out, you know, content-wise. Yeah. You're going to some of the old. And if you monsters. want to, you can also get the old issues at Amazon.com. Right. But get them while you can before he decides to pull it because the volume one of Monster, heck, I don't even think Tim Paxton has a full set of volume one of it. Yeah. Yep. You better grab while you can. It's just like my book. Someday, down the road, I'm pulling them. And the reason I'm pulling them is just, you know, I don't want, you know, they're never going to become oversaturated because people, whose bottom is going to buy them? You know, if you don't, if people don't know about them by now, they're not going to buy them. You, you know what I'm saying? So, yeah, they might pick up with this or that. But, but you know, to me, someday to kind of, you know, to put that out there and kind of make that something that's kind of collective. It's kind of neat, you know. Yeah. And thank you for being on again, Mike. It's nice seeing you less well, frazzled for once. We don't actually see each other because I know what you're saying. Yeah. <laughs> and for goodbyes, i like to say thank you to the editor of uh, Wings Chop for still being here after last year. Yes, that's right, Tony. Huzzah, You're right. Tony, yeah. Yeah, no, that's, I sent him that message when I first heard of what he was going through. I sent that message. I said, You're one of the good guys. You got to stay. So that's a fact. Yeah. And we, you know what? And Wing Chops is another great, great, Wing Chop is another great magazine. So. Yeah, you need to get those. They're like they're like perfect bathroom reading, because they'll take they'll take you forever to read. <laughs> <laughs> yes, there you go. And with that, good night, everybody, and thank you for listening, and definitely thank you for being back, Mike. Keep on writing Thanks the good. You. Keep on making the good writing that you're doing. Thank you, Stephen. It's always a pleasure. Believe me. Thank you. Good night. Uh, hopefully we'll get a 
Nate back soon. If not, Nate, just get better, man. Oh, I passed it up. Uh, no, okay. And good night, everybody. Good night, sweetheart. Good night, sweetheart. I hate to leave you, but I really must say, good night, sweetheart. Good night. Good night.